re may recall last week uh, that we started talking about uh, taking heed to our ministry from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, well, we're going to get the second half here today as Paul's given some more ad admonitions to Timothy to pay attention, to take heed to his ministry. And our passage is going to be 1 Timothy 4. We're going to pick up at verse 14. We're going to carry it down to verse 16. Going to round out the chapter. Uh, and again, these are commands that Paul's giving to uh, Timothy. We've been looking at it for the last several weeks now. And although Paul's giving them to Timothy, you and I would do well to pay attention to them as well. We talked a lot about that last week. You see, too many Christians today don't pay attention, and instead they just fluff their way through their Christian walk. Isn't that right? So what we ought to be striving to do is to try to be a cut above. Part of the reason why we should be striving to be a cut above is I do believe that the time's getting short. I think our time here on earth is getting short. So with that in mind, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to pick up at verse 14. I'm going to read to the bottom of the chapter, and it goes like this. Paul says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's pray before we get looking at this too close. Lord, we do thank you for another day, another day to live, another day to serve you. We thank you for that. As we already commented, I'm, I'm always amazed at the variety that you give in your creation. In a 24-hour period, we've had a 40-degree temperature change. You are a mighty God. We thank you for carrying us through all the things that we had to deal with this past week. We thank you for being ever faithful. The world around us is in turmoil, but you're ever true. You're ever faithful. On Christ the solid rock I stand. There is no other. We thank you for that. Guide us through your word here today. Show us what you'd have for us and help us to apply it to our lives. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So again, yeah, we're looking at commands. We started way back in uh, chapter 7, basically, where Paul starts giving these commands to Timothy specifically. And we get down to verse 14 here today where it says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So as you look at that verse, it's obviously looking back on an event that happened in Timothy's life which you and I don't know much about because we weren't there. We don't know exactly what's going on here. But Paul's asking Timothy to pay attention to some gift, some gift that he's gotten. And the Greek word is charisma. Charisma. He's told not to neglect this gift, this charisma. 
that was given me, Paul says. Now, that's an interesting phrase in the Greek. Uh, and without getting into a whole lot of uh, grammatical lessons here, like any gift, any gift is something you don't earn. You don't earn a gift, but this is in a passive tense that Timothy was just a passive recipient of. He, this is nothing he was even looking for. He wasn't expecting it or anything like that. He was just a passive recipient of this gift. He didn't reach out for it. He didn't work toward it. The implication here is that the giver is the Holy Spirit acting through prophecy and acting through the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, the leadership of the church. So whatever this gift was, and I'm not even going to speculate on it, it was from God. And it was consecrated by the laying on of hands. Whatever the case may be, this was a very public event. We know that there was at least the leadership of the church there. There presumably was other church members there witnessing this. We'll discuss it even more when we get to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. I'll go ahead and read it again, but uh, Paul mentions it again. This is so important that Paul mentions it twice to Timothy. Let's go over to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I have every reason to think that that's the exact same gift that he's talking about here. I'll tell you that I don't know exactly what this gifting Timothy received was, but the point is Paul's calling Timothy to remember a real milestone event which no doubt got the ball rolling in his ministry. Regardless of what it was, it was a, a milestone event that Paul keeps calling Timothy to look back, remember that, remember that. And we all need those kind of moments to hark back to once in a while, don't we? we need, whenever we start to wonder, why do I even bother doing this? We can look back to a guidepost that's, ah yes, I remember back there, that's why I'm doing this. We all need that to hark back to, don't we? And Timothy was no different. And Paul knew that, so he's encouraging Timothy that way. But notice another encouragement that's in that verse. He says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. There's a whole body of respected elders in the church who are endorsing Timothy's ministry. That's pretty encouraging too, isn't it? Sometimes we don't pick up on that sort of thing. But that ought to encourage him against any criticisms that might come along. Because remember how we started this off uh, last week where uh, Paul was telling him that, hey, uh, don't let anybody despise your youth. Some people apparently might have been. Well, there's this whole group of church leadership that are backing Timothy up. So far... Between last week and this, we've seen Paul encourage Timothy to act, to teach, to serve in a godly manner, knowing that he is not alone. But he's backed up by a body of believers who have his back all the way. And finally, the greatest encouragement of all is that the gifting that Timothy has comes from none other than God himself. 
Now that's a pretty good encouragement. And you know what? You and I each have a gifting that comes from God himself. You and I have the backing of our church family. We all have the same encouragement, don't we? And there ought to be a milestone point where we can look back on this is why I am started in this Christian walk. And this is why I need to pay attention to this ministry. This is why this is important. A focal point to come back to. He moves on. He says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. So as if that weren't enough for encouragement, Paul now ratchets it up, his encouragement, just another click. And at the same time, he gives two more commands. And with the second command comes a promise. That's what we're looking at here. First of all, Paul says to Timothy, meditate upon these things. Meditate upon them. Now, to meditate gives us some idea of the attitude, the intensity that Paul wants Timothy to look at these things. Hey, you've got this gift that was laid on. You've got this group of people who are backing you up. You're empowered with a gifting by the God himself. Meditate on those things, Timothy. Now, meditation implies diligence, doesn't it? Diligence isn't just uh, pass, a passing glance. Di- and diligence is really required in any form of ministry, isn't it? doesn't matter what kind of ministry, whether you've you got a preaching ministry, whether you've got a music ministry, whatever you might call a ministry, diligence is required no matter how small it may seem. They all require diligence. See, there ought to be no such thing as a lukewarm minister or a lukewarm ministry. I don't know if anybody saw, but uh, in one of the recent Monadnock Sloppers, they were uh, a church, they didn't even announce what church it was, was uh, looking for an organist, just, to, just an organist position uh, to fulfill a music ministry. They, but they don't say anything about the church or anything like that. They give you a number to apply at. I just happened to notice it, and I thought that was pretty telling. Pretty telling. Jesus spoke of intensity in ministry. Uh, let's, let's turn over to John chapter 2. We've got lots of time. John chapter 2, verse 17. This is just after uh, Jesus has uh, got into the temple and he's turned over the t- uh, money changers table and all that. We've all, we all know the story. But then there's this one verse And it says, And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And it was talking, that was a prophecy talking about Jesus. Do we have that kind of zeal? Do we have that kind of passion for our ministry? Now, Paul spoke about his own intensity in his ministry. I don't want to, you could say, well, that's just Jesus. Jesus had that kind of zeal. Jesus went in there and flipped over the tables. That was Jesus. That was okay. Well, what about Paul? Let's go to Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians. This is Paul talking about himself. Second Corinthians eleven. Twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Besides those things that are without, 
that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities. He's talking about burning, a fire burning. That's the intensity that Paul had in his ministry. And he encouraged the Roman church to have the same kind of intensity. Romans chapter 12. Verse 11, you could say, well, that was Jesus, that was Paul. Well, Paul's trying to tell the Romans to have the same thing. He's, uh, let's back up to verse 10. We're jumping right in the middle of a thought. He's saying, be kindly affectioned one to another and with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent. We all ought to have a fervor. Not talking about fluffing our way through like we talked about at the beginning. We all ought to take these words to heart and show a little bit of fervor in our Christian walk, hadn't we? We could all do a little better at that. But there's a second command in verse 15. First he says, meditate upon these things. Then he says, give thyself wholly to them. And you know what? That right there is the key to successful ministry. Give thyself wholly to them. To be wholly devoted to the work that you're doing, not being lazy, not being half-hearted, being wholly devoted to it. To put a genuine effort that's worthy of God Himself. Paul's telling Timothy to be all in in his ministry. Now, I don't have to look too far to see a lot of people in church leadership who treat the ministry way too casually. Right? We can all think of examples. With no sense of urgency, no realization of the gravity of the situation that they got. See, we're dealing with people's eternal souls here, aren't we? There's a certain gravity there. We're playing for high stakes. It almost seems like Paul is trying to shake Timothy awake from a slumber. Timothy, do you see how important this is? Give it your whole effort. Sometimes you and I need to do that too, don't we? Pretty easy to get stuck in a rut and just kind of fluff your way along. And then Paul gives a reason. He, do, he doesn't just say, Here's, you gotta, you got to pay attention, you got to smarten up, you got to be diligent here. He gives him a reason. End of the verse, he says, that thy profiting may appear to all. Now wait just a cut and pick a minute. Doesn't that fly in the face of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1? where he says, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Remember that? Jesus said that. Make sure you're not doing your alms before men. You don't want to be seen of them. Doesn't this fly in the face? Let, let everybody see. Well, no, not really. Especially if you look back in the same context of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, back up a chapter, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, where it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
You see, growth and forward motion is what we're after. They're going to see your good works. That's going to show signs of growth. They're going to show signs that you're moving forward in your Christian walk. And those are signs of a spiritual life, not spiritual deadness. And they're showing signs of an effective ministry. And Paul wants Timothy to make sure that he shows those traits. Make sure people can see that you're moving forward, that you're serious, that you're growing in your walk with Christ. Honestly, if we aren't showing those kind of traits, those traits of growth and growing effectiveness in our ministry, then there's something seriously wrong with our Christian walk. If we're not seeing a growing effectiveness and a growing spiritual strength and growth in our life, then there's something seriously wrong with our Christian walk. Now, before I confuse anybody, I need to point out that motive is everything in this regard. Motive is everything. See, ministry proper should never be undertaken for the sake of personal goal, ego, personal gain, or personal acclaim. And too many ministries are based on those very things. We see that on a national level. If you turn on the TV or turn on the radio, you can hear big celebrated ministries but we can also see it in some of our smaller local ministries right around here if we're willing to pay attention. Throughout this chapter, we've seen Paul encourage Timothy to do quite a few things. Chapter 4 has all been about work, labor, strive, exercise. Why? Why all this effort? Why all this exercise? Why all this labor? So that Timothy can be seen as a Mr. Universe of Christians. Look at that Timothy guy. Isn't he a picture of exactly what a Christian ought to look like? No, that's not what it's all about. It's so that he can encourage other people to follow in the same path. Boy, I, I see how effective that Timothy guy is. I would like to have that. And that's what each, you and I each ought to be doing too. People ought to be able to look at, wow, they are very effective at their Christian walk. They're not fluffing through their Christian walk. They're actually doing something and accomplishing things, and people's lives are being changed. I want to be a part of that. That ought to be a goal for each and every one of us. Moving on to verse 16. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. This verse, this is actually a really good chapter break, by the way. Uh, And in this verse, Paul's summing up everything we've looked at at chapter 4 so far. And he does it in the exact same kind of language we've seen throughout the chapter so far. I'm particularly struck with the phrase that he starts off with. He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Two things. Paul wants Timothy to watch his own life closely. Pay attention. Take heed to it. Examine it. Be mindful of it. And measure it. 
Those, are, those ideas are all tied up in that expression, to take heed. To take heed means you're paying attention, you're measuring, you're understanding. I know everything there is to know about whatever this object is that I'm taking heed to. In this case, it's Timothy's life. I've measured it. I know everything about it. I know what's going on here. Now, generally, I don't go in a lot for introspection and things of that nature, as people talk about it in the world, or looking into oneself. Because there's nothing good in me. I've said it before, it's like scuba diving in a septic tank. Uh, that's what it's like looking inside my own life. But that's not really what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about self-examination, which is going to show how we measure up to God's standard. Today's a day we traditionally would take communion, and that should come with a certain degree of self-examination. How do I measure up to God's standard? God has a mark. How am I doing? What can I do to tighten up? How could I be better? I spend a lot of time outdoors. I fancy myself an outdoorsman. As such, I spend a lot of time in self-examination. I'm just looking for ticks, that's all I'm doing. Uh, but you get the idea there, don't you? Look yourself over very closely. Make sure everything's okay. Just the other day, I had a thorn in my elbow that I hadn't noticed until I put my arm on the armrest of my chair, and I thought, wow, is that sore? Well, one of those days, I'd been, been out for a walk, and I'd gotten a uh, rose thorn right in my, and it had gotten all infected. I didn't even know about it. It was on a spot in my elbow I couldn't even see. But boy, when I touched the chair, I knew, I knew it was there. A little self-examination, a little better self-examination would have pointed that out. Yeah. Uh, but this is what we're talking about. Be conscious of how you live your life. Know every detail of that life. Because if you're not other people are. Other people are watching your life. And when we make calls constantly to live better, to be godly, but then our neighbors see us living in a sloppy, trashy manner, what does that tell them? But notice that all this watching and all this paying close attention doesn't just apply to Timothy's life. It also applies to his doctrine. You saw that, right? Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. The word doctrine in the Greek here is the Greek word uh, didaskalia. Didaskalia. Paul uses it 19 times in all of his writings. 15 of them are in the pastoral epistles. 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. Three very short books he uses 15 times, didaskalia. This is not Timothy's doctrine in the sense that Timothy developed it or anything like that, or even that Timothy owns it, but rather it's, it's a doctrine that's been entrusted with Timothy to preserve. Timothy's a steward of it if you want to look at it that way. And it's the same thing with you and I, isn't it? This doctrine that we teach here, that I'm trying to instill, isn't my own. 
I'm just a steward of it. I am entrusted with keeping it as long as I'm alive, and I'm passing it on to somebody else to take it over when I'm dead and gone. Same thing with Timothy. But notice this watching isn't enough. He says, take heed, watch, pay attention, measure thyself and the doctrine. But that's not enough. He says, continue in them. Okay, I, I, that's all right. I examined my life a while back and I was okay. No, continue in it. Keep doing it. The idea is to persevere. To remain steady. This isn't a quick checkup that Paul's talking about here. I went to the doctor, I had a checkup, I'm good. This is an ongoing thing. Why? Well, Paul gives a reason. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That's why. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean, save yourself and them that hear thee? Well, Paul wrote in another place, uh, let me give a test. Before we turn there, let me see if anybody can tell me. This is a very familiar verse. Romans 10, 17. Anybody got it? Romans 10, 17. You'll know it as soon as we turn there. Let's turn there. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, saving faith is found in hearing and receiving God's word. We need to make sure that the doctrine that we teach is God's word, because that is where salvation is found and nowhere else. Call me narrow-minded, call me whatever you'd like to, but that is the fact. Salvation comes by hearing, and that hearing is the Word of God. That's the only way to salvation. We need to take this ministry very seriously, don't we? We're talking about the salvation of immortal souls. Very serious stuff. This isn't a social club. This isn't something to just fluff through. We need to be a little more serious, just like Paul was encouraging Timothy. That's how we close out 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't mind, I'll close in a word of prayer.